It's Two Jerks, One Vote, Jerkatorium's songfight.org review podcast, and this time we're reviewing the Doom with a View songs with our special guest, Vom Vorton. Hi, I'm Chumpy, and this is the Jerk. Hi. Now here's how this thing works. One song fights enough that we think we know our stuff. We'll listen to your submission, subjected to our praise and our derision. I know that sounds unfair. You're not obliged to care Yeah, you're gonna lose This song fight And yes, I'm talking to you Yeah, you're gonna lose This song fight Deep down inside you know that it's true Most of these bands are gonna lose When this song fight is done And your band's won And by your band's won I don't mean your band's won With bands being contraction band has And won me with the past tense of win Today we have a special guest. It's Vom Vorton, who has uh, also made music as and or with Lard Pony uh, and Owl Sounds and maybe some more. As Vom Vorton, he is a multiple song fight champion. He was one point shy of winning the first Nurein competition that he competed in. Uh, and he won three rounds in that Nurein. He was one band shy of getting into the final round of his first spin tunes. Uh, and he's got super cool music on Bandcamp and SoundCloud, etc. He's got super cool videos on YouTube and Vimeo. And uh, lots and lots at vomvorton.co.uk. Again, that's V-O-M-V-O-R-T-O-N dot co.uk von vorten welcome talk about yourself some more hello so yeah i think you've uh, given a good introduction to me there i pride myself on coming second in a lot of competitions <laughs> uh, uh yeah i got roped into a song fight a few years ago by pete from balance lost but uh i sort of chickened out at the time and arrived in a more roundabout sort of way via uh, vowel sounds my internet project band with uh Wanwa, who's from Madison over in your United States. And uh, she asked me if I wanted to join. I think she got roped in by Pete for Balance Lost, actually. So it does still go back to him. And uh, yeah, I've been taking part ever since, really. So, oh, that's uh, right. Uh, the guy from Balance Lost is also British, if I recall. So you guys is, are yeah. all Although on the same island. He's just moved to Japan, so not anymore. But yeah, for, for a while, we could have theoretically met up, but we didn't. <laughs> Well, how does that work? How do you get involved with somebody that's not in your vicinity and especially with vowel sounds with a person in Wisconsin? Uh, with all of this, it all goes back to February album writing month. Oh, okay. It's my big sort of introduction to internet songwriting challenges and things. And I've been doing that since 2008 now, so 12 okay. ridiculous years. Wow. Wow, gotcha. Let's see. In prep for this and also just sort of in general, because I am a fan, I really enjoy your music, but I went through uh, a bunch of Lard Pony stuff and uh, the song that really jumped out to me was Hearts and Crafts. Uh, I just love that thing. That is amazing. (laughs) Everybody check it out on Bandcamp, Lard Pony. And uh, and also Vama Vorton on Bandcamp. I liked your All Electronic Instruments album too, which is pretty recent, right? Uh, yeah, that was um, another, I think that was National Solo Album Writing Month. Uh, any of these challenges that I stumble across, I can't help having a go. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was a 
trying to get to use Ableton Live for the first time. Just thought I'd make a synth pop album. Nice. There's like this Venn diagram of Song Fight, uh, the February album writing month, uh, Spin Tunes, and, you know, January or something, you know, where all of these people on the internet get together and try to do something creative. It's pretty cool. And uh, Yeah, also... I think once you've done one, all the others sort of logically spiral out, don't they? Yeah. And there's more too, aren't there? There's like, um, there's an album in a day sort of a thing. And honestly, you know, Jurgatorium, we probably wouldn't have come together if it weren't for Song Fight. And uh, certainly wouldn't have the output that we have if it weren't for Song Fight, just because the very simple thing of a little bit of a direction from the title and absolutely the most important thing is a deadline. You know, we've had some projects that haven't been involved with any specific deadline and they malinger for months and months and months before we finish them. We we had the song Crustacean Stretch Receptor, which was a great (laughs) song and a great idea. And we had no deadline, no reason to finish it until we just sort of, you know, vaguely eventually got around to it. Maybe there was like a string of bad song fight titles or something and we said okay well let's do this but but yeah song fight the deadline such a simple little idea deadline and title and uh we wouldn't be doing anything without it very cool do you want to talk about sing of the times yeah it was um it was lookout joe who won that yeah lookout joe the juggernaut although vom just came in one one vote vote. behind him (laughs) (laughs) my trademark (laughs) (laughs) the stunning second place (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think the results were fine for that one. I mean, I mean, not. I'm not saying I'm glad that Bomb didn't win. I'm just saying that you know there wasn't a big upset. I don't. I think we just don't like it when there's a big upset. Yeah, yeah. Glenn Case did well. That was my favorite song of the round. Midnight Yacht Club did surprisingly well. I think they had yeah. 18 votes, and Lookout Joe had 21. So good job, Midnight Yacht Club. There's there's a bigger fan base there than I thought. What did you think about uh, Sing of the Times, Vom? I was pleased to get so close to the win. I thought uh, Lookout Joe, their song was sort of irresistibly fun, so I could see why sort of anyone listening would consider, you know, throwing them a vote. So I think that's it, it felt like a sort of a popular choice to me, so I could see why they, they took the title, but uh, I'll come for them next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that next time, maybe this time. <laughs> but we'll get to that. You're last on the list alphabetically. Yeah, always. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we, we tend to do that to alphabet. Do you want to do it alphabetically or do you want to? No, we should do that so that uh, we can save your comments until the last. That's always a little odd having somebody sort of comment on their own currently yeah. competing song, but uh, we will thrill in that awkwardness. That? <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right, so let's start off with the usual Berkeley social scenes first. Choices come back to haunt you a lifetime. Living in a ghost town, a regretted wedding in the rear view, a renowned clown holding a crown. I can see the view. Doom falls all around you, crumbling statues. Make no excuses. You know, Glennie occasionally sends me notes about Berkeley social scene and Glennie songs, so I have some notes on this one. I think he also posted this on the boards. So Lunkhead has this buddy named Geech, who uh, played drums on this. 
Ken is on base. Uh, Martin is out of the country doing Google things. So Lunkhead has just suddenly decided to take the helm of all of the Berkeley social scene production. And you can you can hear it on this song because the vocals were dubbed in by Lunkhead after the band had their sort of main jam session and that had been recorded. And is it Lunkhead singing? It is Lunkhead singing, although it doesn't really okay. sound like him, does it? It sounds different, yeah. And Ken and Lunkhead later came back to add the gang vocals that you hear later on in this. And um, I like the song. I thought it worked well for me. I'm a sucker for guitars, and there's some great guitar stuff in here. You know, even the fact that there are multiple solos, I'm still I'm still okay with that. The song reminded me a little bit of the Hollies. I don't know why. It's got that sort of British invasion rock sound to me. Yeah, I like this right away. It was a good way to start off the fight. I was like, all right. Things are looking good. I'm really looking forward to listening to the rest of these songs. I thought it was a fine song. It was maybe a little unobtrusive. You know, it didn't really grab me, but there's some excellent touches in this song. Like I thought the guitar work is good. There's also a lightly used and effective synthesizer that goes through most of it anyway. Yeah, and I thought there was nothing bad about this song, but it didn't really stay with me. You know, it's a good, it's a good, good song. What did you think, Bomb? Yeah, in a similar kind of place. Didn't really grab me the first time I heard it, but it did grow on me quite a lot, this one. Uh, I do like uh, Lunkhead's vocal, and I agree, it doesn't really sound like him. It, it, there's kind of a sort of slightly deadpan, sort of cool vibe to it that reminded me a little bit of uh, Thurston Moore, oddly, even though it doesn't really <laughs> sound like a Sonic Youth song. Right. But it's got that kind of, I don't know, just sort of laid back. Uh, yeah, I, I really like that. It always bugs me that their, their gang vocal bits are always so amazing, and they always use them so sparingly. I kind of want I know. more of that. Um, and yeah, the, the two guitar solos just kind of felt like a little bit of an editor maybe needed, but I know that's probably just because they, they write their stuff and the, they're kind of jamming out, aren't they? So it's, I, I can accept it, but uh, yeah, one guitar solo is my limit, I think. <laughs> the editor in you is just getting the pen out and chop that section out. Yeah, it's probably part jealousy because I'm not a very good guitarist, but... Yeah. Well, I think, you know, li- listening to uh, some, you know, I guess songs on the radio and things like that, they tend to go longer and it's not as unusual to have all this stuff. I think with song fight, we tend to prefer songs that don't overstay their welcome Mm. and kind of make their point and then get out of the way so that we can listen to the next one, which might be a little kind of unfair. I'm not calling you unfair. I'm just saying that uh, I I do that too. If there's a a song that, that dares to go four (laughs) minutes and we're like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, forget you. I'm not even listening all the way through. You know, it's, it's just. Uh, oh, there's yeah, that uh, tedious LED Zeppelin song from last time. <laughs> so long, dude. Yeah, those fuckers. <laughs> they like took eight minutes for a song. God, goddamn Brits. So, yeah. <laughs> all uh, right. But yeah. Right. Shall we move on to Fubar? The border is closed now. All officers ready Children in cages And the rock of ages Steady Doomed with a view We are red and blue In a purgatory set for two Come on in the cemetery's fine We gave it all for an imaginary line So uh, I had never heard of FUBAR. Apparently there's a number of song fight artists that I have never heard of. 
you were around back in 2013, Ryan, when FUBAR was active. They had like 22 entries in 2013 and early 2014. My, my, my attention has been spotty. So ah. I was like really heavy into it uh, around 2005 through maybe 2008 or something like that. And then I, I kind of checked in every once in a while uh, from between that and when we got involved again. And especially back when um, when Edge of LA and uh, Moxie Profits was was doing stuff. And uh, and then, yeah, so I'm sorry. This is this over explaining why I don't uh, remember <laughs> you don't know about Fubar. Well. Yeah. But yeah, apparently yeah. they they also do the same thing where they were just like in and out of song fight for the last five years and would just check in occasionally. And they saw that a song that they had participated in was on the, you know, five years ago uh, part of the website. They were like, oh, man, that was five years ago. Got to do a song. Okay. What, what did you think of the song? Like, you know, right away I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be political. But I'm like, hey, this is actually pretty great. I don't mind that it's political. Sometimes that risk pays off, and I thought it paid off here. I have a bit of a rant, so let me let me let, <laughs> let Vom go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, I actually really like this one, uh, and not just because it's 90 seconds long. The piano, I guess, struck me uh, I'm not a, against guitar, but I think any different instrumentation always stands out in, in Song Fight with the get so many guitar tracks. And there's some really interesting sort of uh, strange chord changes and things in there. Uh, and I really like the guy's voice. Uh, it's got a kind of soft confidence to it that reminded me a bit of Lamb Chop and a, a little bit of the guy from Yellow Tango as well. And there's a couple of really interesting turns of phrases. The uh, come on in the cemetery is fine or whatever it is. I thought that was a really nice line. Yeah, so, yeah I remember... Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I remember reading the lyrics first and sort of not getting it. But when he delivered that, "Come in the cemetery, it's fine." It's it. it I thought it uh, it it was sung better than it read, and mm. uh, and that was good. Yeah. Somebody on the uh, board mentioned that they thought he sounded a little bit like Lou Reed, and I guess I could kind of get a Lou Reed vibe from that, which I also liked. And yeah, I was also kind of bummed that the song was short. And I feel like. You know, they could have just tacked on the ending chorus like a second time. A lot of people like end on a 2x chorus repeat. And I thought that would have added like an additional 15 seconds to the song and it would have been better. Maybe a little bit more satisfying without a lot more work. But yeah, they cut it short. I thought it, the content was a little heavy, the lyrical content. I thought I didn't get Lou Reed so much as Bob Geldof uh, out of it, both in kind of delivery and and content. But uh I got two rants about this song. The first one is to let that last chord ring out some more. I mean, it's not just me, right? Am I the asshole here? It's like half of it song does have fight a very just quick fade. Yeah, I feel like half of song fight is just punking me at this point <laughs> with bad fade outs. You know, because we we bring it up at like you know, I I don't know when the last time is we haven't you know railed against one band or another for you know quick fade outs when there's no need. You can just let that let that chord ring for a little bit. It's fine to fade it out, but it's just too too quick. Anyhow, otherwise I thought the song is fine. I thought there was understated instrumentation and that was good. The vocal performance of the melody was imprecise, but I think that was intentional. You know, again, kind of Bob Geldoffy, but also just sort of in terms of the content of the lyrics, this gives me a little chance to clarify my thoughts on political songs in general, because I really I kind of let Owens have it uh, last uh, podcast. And again, I don't want to shut down any voices or anything. Um, I think that what's bad with political songs is specificity. You know, that's what drags them down a bit. 
our songs, Trichotorium songs, are a great example. We have probably three songs that could be called political. And the first was uh, The War On, and that was a disaster because it was a very, very clearly and literally specific issue that we went over, and nobody liked it. And even if they agreed with us, nobody just liked it because it was all calling out very specifically, you know, Fox News pundits and and internet trolls and stuff like that. Nobody, and I think that you know, nobody wants to get poked with that. Yeah, it was you know, heavy-handed as shit. Yeah, absolutely. But then we also had, uh, you know, our song "Do You Have a Plan," which was our response to the 2016 election. And but the content was so general. And it could have applied to pretty much anything. It's just a sort of a general protest song. And we got a really good response from that because it was so, again, it was, you could apply it to anything. It was, it was very generalized for us, you know, knowing behind it was this thing, but there weren't any specific references to anything specific. Then we also had regime change, which was a a, a Nurein song. And that was also very general, and it was more of a love song than a political song, too. So it was kind of, you know, it wasn't about anything specific, and it could be taken just as a love song. So uh, so anyhow, yeah, I, again, I don't want to shut down political songs. Protest is good, but I think, uh, I think that in general, I find that specificity is what bothers people about it. So yeah, rant over. <laughs> I think it's a good idea to to make your songs as general and as widely interpreted as possible. So yeah. people often do like your songs better when they can attach their own meaning or what they think it means. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it's it gets a little preachy. Um, yeah. I think James Owens once, uh, I don't want to harp on him, but uh, didn't he later reveal that one of his songs was about some very specific and very local issue in Canada that somehow we were supposed to know about. Yeah, it was uh, a Canadian protest song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, fine, got it, okay. But uh, but that might have been part of what made it less relatable. Yeah. All right, next up we've got Fractal Elves. Dave walked into the office first thing I noticed about this is the crackly record player vibe. And I know that there are cool plugins that can give you that sound, which I've always wanted to experiment with, but just have never gotten around to it. Like you can get the crackle sound. You can also have it warp like, you know, a record player. That's where the record's slightly warped. Um, and there's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff going on here. I think he had a definite uh, film noir type thing that he was going for. I think one of the characters refers to themselves as a gumshoe and the spoken word narrative aspect of it. And I really wish that I had come up with this, but the later on, uh, on the boards, there's this guy, Heine, and he said there's like too much doom, not enough view in this song, which I think <laughs> <laughs> sums it up pretty well. Uh, there's just a lot of discord and a lot of like uncomfort for not a lot of payoff. 
But yeah, there's definitely a lot of very interesting things going on. And I think with spoken word, it's hard. If you're going to do a spoken word part, you know, you need to have words that are really strong to carry it. Like, there's a couple of was not was songs I really like that have extensive spoken words. And it's just the things that they're saying is fascinating. And that's what really gets me. And so the words need to be really interesting if you're going to pull off spoken word. And I think it's a bit of a fail here. I mean, I admire the effort, and uh, but this one was a miss for me. Yeah, uh, I I also, I, a lot of my notes are the same as yours, really. The uh, I thought the fake album hiss and the pops, you know, to me it came across as sort of an unnecessary affectation. And uh, now, uh, before I get too far with that, I mean, I, I like experimentation and I like to hear different approaches and different stuff. And and this is very different, but kind of it just doesn't come together. It doesn't meld together for me in terms of the song. You know, the, the talk singing narration and the verses doesn't seem as effective and engaging as an actual melody might have been. But the chorus melody does bring you in. You know, uh, it's it's just a drag to slog through the, the rest of the song to get to those good choruses. So, yeah, I, I give them points for originality and points for the chorus, but but that's about it. I, I don't want to listen to this song over and over and over again. I, I did like the chorus, though, I got to say. <laughs> what do you think, Bob? Uh, again, pretty much the same. I, I did really like the sort of noir sort of atmosphere of it. And uh, it, there's a sort of some almost sort of Lovecraft references and things in there, I think, as well, sort of talking about cosmic horrors and things, which, yeah, it sort of sets up for a really interesting atmosphere but then it, i think it pushes a bit too far on the kind of the dissonance and the sort of that wild sort of horn saxophone sound it just it, yeah it's not a pleasant listen and every time i got to it i was finding myself sort of turning the volume down a bit so it wasn't harsh on my ears the chorus does actually it has quite a good hook a bit out of the blue after the spoken word but it's got that really harsh effects on the vocal as well which, so yeah. for every bit of it i admired i found there was something sort of pushing me away a bit yeah, I think, you know, and we've kind of mentioned this on previous podcasts too. I I, I don't know why people are are so keen to to put tons of effects on their vocals. I kind of wonder if they're hiding, you know, if maybe they're not quite as confident in their uh, vocal performance as they'd like to be. With this, with all the other kind of odd tonal stuff that was going on, I didn't think it it was out of place for this song to have uh, all those. But you know, I I always just prefer to have. Uh, vocal performance that you can hear and that doesn't have all this stuff layered on top of it. I think also part of it is that we all have a lot of really great digital uh, toys in our toolbox. And sometimes it's just really hard to not use them all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If you have an arsenal, it's a shame to, to let it you know, linger. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I'm always thinking, how can I make myself sound cooler? <laughs> Uh, such a good setup. Uh, which I wish you'd told me that ahead of time so I could have a punchline for that. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with it later and splice it in. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Move on? Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Next, we got Glenny. It's so funny how you always need some money and you try and get it in an underhanded way. You never, ever want to buckle down and get a job. You talk to the mob and you found a risky play. You out. You're gonna die up in the sky. It is 
I like songs that tell a coherent story and, you know, working the song title into a chorus hook. One of my favorite things about Songfight is hearing the ideas that people come up with to make sense of the often arbitrary and weird song titles. I like to think about what they thought about and how they decided to turn that into some sort of story or narrative, or in our case, some sort of dysfunctional relationship song. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I like what Glennie did here. This is this is this is a pretty cool idea. I also like to hear about people's processes. And Glennie uh, wrote in to tell me about what he did. And he said he was at work, and the chorus, lyric, and melody came to him. So he whipped out his phone's voice recorder and just got it down. And then he went back into his uh, his studio later on, and that he worked backwards from the chorus to get the verses and then to get the supporting lyrics for the verses and wrote all of the music and then just sort of, he, he approached it backwards, which is not usually how he does it. So that I thought that was interesting and that can work out. I like this song a lot. It's got a, a bunch of Glennie's sort of trademarks, uh, good guitar playing, shifting time signatures, and in this case, lyrics and a concept that I think work well. So I, I enjoyed listening to this and figuring out what it was about and reading along with the lyrics. So I was pretty happy with the song and I'm going I'm to vote for it. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one too. Uh, I like that while it's got Glennie's sort of trademark uh, time signatures switching and everything, it's still got a really good sort of new wavy sort of power poppy energy to it. Uh, it doesn't feel like the time signatures are there for the sake of them. It's all in service of a really good pop song. So you've got the sort of... Um, bits where it goes into kind of octave guitar sort of a my sharona sort of vibe and the the harmonized uh, lead guitar breaks and things all just feel like it's all in service to just having a really good time uh that really worked for me yeah yeah i i too i thought it was good stuff i'm a little hot and cold on the vocal melody maybe mostly during the the verses but yeah it was it, all in all it was a great song uh the slide guitar work and the um solo guitar work is just fantastic mm, some tapping in there yeah, yeah, and then you don't hear that all that often. Here, also, he moves from four four time to six eight and to seven eight, which is very very impressive. It's really amazing, but also, you know, why? Uh, I'm wondering, does it actually add anything, or does it kind of distract from its listenability? I thought it, it was it was fine. Um, I'm kind of. You know, lately he hasn't done a lot of that, and I'm wondering if it's because other people are kind of horning in on his action that way. You know, you're hearing some more people switching time signatures. But yeah, I, you know, you notice that he's switching time signatures, and I think the best use of switching time signatures is stuff that you don't notice that's so nice and smooth and unrecognizable that it just sounds like a song. Here you definitely get it, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think like, oh, okay, well, you can notice when it uh, clicks from 4-4 four, four into 6-8 and from 6-8 into 7-8 and then back. Beautiful harmonies, vocal harmonies, I mean, and uh, uh, lots of intricate internal lyrical rhymes, which <laughs> I liked. And they weren't consistent, too, and I liked that. He did them very kind of artistically, and he broke them all up, so it's not like this constant, like, a, A, B, uh, C, B, or something like that. At some points it was, you know, uh, he'd break up different lines and put them in different places. And uh, I just thought it was great and it was organic and it worked really well. Uh, so I liked that a lot. But then <laughs> what did you think of the uh, at the end? 
So <laughs> did you catch that? The very end of the song, it's yeah. like it's like he he's, he does this beautiful vocal harmony bit, and then instead of like you know he he has this kind of emotive, you know ah or something. It was just <laughs> I, I was kind of. <laughs> Come on, I think that's that sort on. of a lyrical thud as the guy hits the ground. <laughs> Could he? Yeah. I, I was thinking like, oh, come on, get that out of there. <laughs> Just cut that part. Yeah, come on, Mariah. Come on, Celine. Get, get it. <laughs> Knock that off. <laughs> All right. Um, let us move on. Next, we've got Heine. I close my ears. Don't want to hear My eyes got to hide a tear What more could I fear? You're sitting on my lap I can't get away Designing once more I was listening to the song before I went to bed last night, and uh, as I was trying to get to sleep, I couldn't get this Duran Duran song out of my head. There's this <laughs> Duran Duran song, Ordinary World, and it goes, But I won't cry for yesterday, there's an ordinary world, somehow I have to find, and I'm like, oh, I can't get that song out of my head now. And it was, I was just, that was stuck in a loop in my brain. It took me like an hour to fall asleep. And I think it's because and you blame this guy. I blame this guy because his verse riff sounds like that melody. And it's, you know, it's funny how you have these like musical associations that are so strong and just couldn't get that one out of my head. But overall, you know, Duran Duran notwithstanding, I like the song. I like the flute. And I think it's cool when someone actually plays an analog instrument and brings that along. So, yeah, the song was well done, and I like the sound of it. And I like the kind of 70s demo feel that other folks had pointed out. I just thought it had a cool sound to it. And um, despite that Duran Duran association, uh, I liked it. I, I thought it was a little plodding, you know. Uh, There's nothing actually wrong with the song. I just thought it was a little, you know, a, a little dull. You know me, I, I start falling asleep if anything is under 180 beats per minute. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, the, the flute, yes, but I thought it was used poorly. It was kind of used like a rhythm instrument instead of a melodic instrument, if that makes any sense. And so, like, it, it comes in near the end, and he's kind of playing it like a rhythm guitar. And like, what? It's uh, it's different, I guess. But I think that's generally not how to feature uh, something like the flute. Yeah, it was just kind of a layer. I mean, would it have killed him to have hired Jethro Tull to really belt it out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he again. He had a full week. He had <laughs> unlimited. He had an unlimited budget. Uh, I'm sure uh, Mr. Anderson isn't doing anything. So, yeah, he, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's his own fault. Uh, what, what do you got, Vaughn? It's another one of my favorites, actually. Uh, it's another one that it took me sort of two or three listens to click with it, but I ended up really liking it. It's interesting because it, it doesn't really fit into the, the kind of thing I would usually respond to, I don't think. It's got that kind of slightly folky 70s vibe to it, and it's got the thing that I always find myself criticizing, where the guitar melody and the vocal melody are basically the same. But for some reason, it really worked for me here. Like in the chorus, when that both kicks in together, it's just got a really good 
Duran Duran-esque hook to it, if you will. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I like the way it sort of strips itself back down just to sort of voice and guitar and then it builds back up with the flute. Yeah, I, th I thought it was a really interesting and it, it felt like it was, we get quite a lot of sort of 70s influenced songs in Song 5, but this felt like it was pulling from a different sort of pool of influences and it's probably a bit of it being a novel approach, but yeah, it really worked for me, this one. Right. Well, also welcome back, Heine. It's been a long time since he's been back. He had mentioned on the boards a similar thing, that he had seen a song that he had participated in on the, you know, 15 years ago section of Song Fight. And he was like, oh my God, I have to do a song. Wow. I, I had one other comment about the song, actually. And it's about kind of my, uh, my rules for lyric writing. And I thought there were too many eyes and mys in the lyrics here. And, and yeah, I, I use it as a rule for lyric writing. You know, nobody gives a shit about the narrator. You got to focus on the listener. So I think that, you know, if you're starting out every lyric about me, 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 I, 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 it's like, you know, I, I don't want to hear about you. I want to hear about me. What do you think about me? How, how is our relationship going? Uh, either that or some way that you can kind of, uh, you know, more identify with the narrator. And I didn't get that. It was all I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my. Right. So I think I, I think yeah. that can work if you're Morrissey and you have this like cult of personality <laughs> about you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, that's a different thing. He's, he's a, <laughs> I, I love Morrissey. I think he's a stand up comic. I don't think uh, <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of his stuff is 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 purposefully hilarious, and a lot of I know a lot of people disagree with that. But uh, but yeah, I, I give him a pass. He definitely straddles that line of deliciously like over the top and like somewhat serious. But yeah, with with this, uh, it it didn't work for me, and I I kind of blame that, whether justifiably or not. All right, cool. Let us move on to Lycan Throat. Wander barefoot down the hall. Past her photos on the wall I smile when I see you Then I see your face fall Cloud of ashes in the sky Lava on the mountainside Mauna is erupting And there's nowhere to hide Please don't be frightened Stay here with me Until the silence sinks in the sea No time to argue Nowhere to flee Know that I love you perpetually and Vom, you want to take you want to take the first crack at this one? I feel like you know we're saying all the things, and we're leaving you with just crumbs. <laughs> so we're, we're gonna let you uh, we're gonna let you take lead on this one. Right. So it's the like and throat segment. I don't think this is probably one of my favorite like and throat songs, um, but I do think there's a constant sort of cycle of listening to like and throat songs and noticing things that Im improve and things that sort of slip back a bit sometimes. And I'm really waiting for that real sort of improvement. I think there's a really good song to come from Like and Throat at some point. Uh, but this one, it kind of, it feels like it's, it's just all at the same level. Like all the instruments are in the same frequency band and it doesn't really change or have much dynamic going on. Uh, I think part of the problem in that is, uh, like everyone pointed this out on the forum, but the, the, the drums, it's all sort of time heavy with a few cymbals. It never really feels like the song gets going. And I don't want to sort of criticise an interesting drum arrangement because I'm, you know, it feels like I'm saying you know, every song should go kick snare, kick snare or something. But I really liked the uh, last fight, the spare tooth song had a really fantastic sort of driving beat to it, and it really felt like it sort of brought the the vocal timing and everything together. And that's kind of missing here. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. And, you know, along with the lack of dynamics, I think there's a definite lack of pop or contrast between verse and chorus. Like yes, at some point yeah. you just you just stumble between verse and chorus. Like it doesn't really ease into it. There's not a pause. The music doesn't change. It's almost like you know it's just here in one word we're in the verse and you know we just moved one word further and now we're in the chorus. It's just like a seamless sort of tumbling between verse and chorus. I think it'd be it'd be better to think about those things and you know maybe have some build up or some tension and release or something. Hmm. And Glennie pointed out that he doesn't like snares, and there's no snares in any of his drums. And I didn't notice that before, but now that I think about it, I hear it. It's all these pounding toms. Mm. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about this, because I think that he is doing all of that. I mean, he is programming all of that. You know, Jerkatorium, we're spoiled because we have such a great drummer. We don't have to think about any of that. But I think, like, he's actually putting in each you know, hi-hat and each tom and each uh, bass drum. And uh, at least I imagine that's the case. I am pretty sure that's true. Yeah, I don't think he's working with loops. I don't think he's working with uh, Kyle, you know. Uh, I, I, we, I keep, we keep on calling him Kyle. He's uh, a Logic Pro X drummer. <laughs> and, Our cyber, uh, cybernetic drummer. Yeah, and we always kind of default to him because he's the, he's the one that comes up when you... When you <laughs> he's <open>. default. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's good. He's the best. Maybe that's why. That's he's why default. he's default, dude. Yeah, yeah. We're we're trying to get some um, some variety in there, uh, though. But yeah, yeah. So like, uh, we we have a remix of uh, the podcast theme that we're going to be using this time around that actually uses a different drummer. I can't remember. I think it's Nikki. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's going to yeah. be mad, dude. Get it invited uh, to the session. Uh, he's 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 got plenty to keep him busy. But yeah. <laughs> But but anyhow, yeah. So I think you know we can criticize the drums, but he's he's doing all of that. He's making these choices as he is with all of his instrumentation. Mm. I, I think that he's putting all that stuff in manually. Yeah, he's also got a tempo change right in the middle of the song, which I think is pretty effective. Is is it a is it a tempo change or does it just go double time? Oh, you know what? Maybe it's like a um, maybe it goes double time or it was double time and then it goes to single time and then back to double time. It feels like a tempo change to me. Could be. Well, you know. That's that's all valid. Yeah. Heine had mentioned he had like a one sentence review of this song and he said something like um, American Joy Division. And I'm glad somebody else besides me that thinks that Lichen Throat sounds like Ian Curtis. I think he should embrace that uh, and do yeah. uh, do some post punk numbers. I'd be into that. I like that uh, musical interlude, that instrumental interlude kind of in the middle. That was that was kind of nice touch. Great lyrics. They're a downer, though. Yeah. Uh, but they're good. They're just like un- unrelentingly, you know, kind of panicking and then <laughs> doomed. Doomed. Yeah. Okay. I get it. <laughs> yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I feel like I can't really help but weigh Lycan Throat's songs against the rest of Lycan Throat's portfolio instead of like the other song fight songs, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, and I thought this is one of Lycan Throat's better songs. He has a little bit more variety in instrumentation than in some of his older stuff, and, and that's good. You know, it's not catchy, uh, and it's not something I'm going to listen to a lot, but I'm glad to hear it. I think that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for a, a, a catchy Lycan Throat song, something that gets stuck in your head. It's coming. I mean, that, that I think it's coming. That Sparrowtooth song that was from Last Fight had some catchy moments in it. So, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had a proper guitar riff and it was, yeah, I liked that one a lot. All right, next up we've got Mandibles. You have given- 
resurrection have stood within me when no other has stirred. excited to see mandibles in a in a song fight because they've obviously gone up against them in neurine and spin tunes but i think this is the it's the first time they've done a fight i think um is that true well i think they might have competed as under different names or right let me take a look go go ahead i'll i'll check the web okay but yeah um they're right again their abba song from um spin tunes was one of my favorite songs from like, all of last year so it oh, was great always yeah, fantastic. Yeah, they um, have a, a video of them performing it live too, which is pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. This uh, they they tend to drift in and out of quite a lot of different styles, and I this isn't one of my favourite sort of versions of Mandibles with the kind of folky sort of intensity. It doesn't work for me quite as well as the sort of pop side, which is probably true of I think any song fight artist that has a pop side. I tend to prefer that part of them, but. Um, it's a fantastic vocal performance, apart from I didn't like the way it, uh, it kind of feels like everything gets too close to the microphone later on, which Cybernica uh, said on the forums was an intentional choice, but it, it, doesn't, it sounds like an, a mistake to me. But her voice is so good, um, and the guitar playing is fantastic as well, so it's, it's more of a, a genre bias sort of thing for me on this one, I think. It's a well-performed song that just doesn't quite click with me. Yeah, I had uh, some similar notions. I mean, I certainly noticed that when she distorts the mic, when she really leans into it. And I think, you know, if they just had a 10 dB pad on the mic, that would have really helped or just gotten it farther away from those pipes of hers. But like, I, I, I like her style. Like, I sort of like some of the folk rock acts from the 70s and late 60s, like the Pentangle or Steel I Span. So, I mean, I like the style. It's just that, yeah, those, the vocals, when they got distorted, and, you know, at times the music accompaniment was quieter, but the vocals were still the same level, and so they were kind of up front and loud, and I feel like, you know, some better mixing, I think, would have would have helped that song a little bit, but overall it has all the elements that make, you know, Mandible songs uh, good for me. So, I enjoyed this, I just thought it had a few flaws that could have been fixed. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just did my research. Uh, I yeah yeah you're right. I just assumed because we'd heard you know, more of them on uh, spin tunes and maybe Nurine. I uh, didn't do enough research. Okay, yeah, she was yeah, on anyhow, they were on Nurine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just assumed that they'd been in song fight more too. But but no, uh, yeah, you're right. This is I think their first entry again, unless they are doing something other than mandibles and cybronica uh as entries but yeah very very good i thought it was a lovely song and i'm definitely voting for it but i had some very specific and esoteric notes about the backing vocals so <laughs> awesome again love the song voting for it but uh okay first those ooh, ooh backing vocals during the verses and the bridge should have been doubled up with another harmony ooh track 
or maybe a, a two harmonies. You know, it's uh, it's fine, but it, it's you notice that it's just one person back there going ooh. ooh you know, it, it would have been great to a better choice, I think, to double it up. Second, I like how the vocal harmonies move around, and also that backing ooh track moves around. But you got to be careful to avoid having the meandering harmony note coincide with the lead melody note because then it just doubles up and it increases basically volume but not harmony, uh, if that makes any sense. And Because I, I find I do this a bit when I'm doing my own uh, backing vocals. What I'll do is I'll record three separate backing vocal tracks and then I'll have to go in and listen to each pair separately to make sure that those notes don't coincide at some point. And if they do, then I change it a little bit, either by re-recording it or just doing it electronically. You know, with these backing vocals, I heard them coinciding now and then. Not a terribly big issue. Again, very minor, very esoteric, but uh, but it's one of the few things that I could find to gripe about. So I'm doing it right now, even though, yes, love the song. Yes, voting for it. Yeah. Um, the harmony just gets lost when it's in unison with the lead. When you have uh, a group of notes that come together, then you either dropped out for one note and it's noticeable, or you're even just doubling up, then it sounds like one note and you're just increasing volume without increasing variety. And then, uh, you know, there were some volume issues, as you've already kind of mentioned, uh, but I still loved it and eagerly voting for it. So, yeah. Cool. Good, good, good song. At least there were no there were no tritone intervals in the harmony and lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, uh, they're they're uh, they're really talented, really good, and I hope they uh, submit more songs to Song Fight. Cool. All right, next up we've got Paco Del Stinko. Five four time blended seamlessly with the four four time. Five four is hard to do uh, right, and he does it right here. It sounds catchy. It sounds smooth. It sounds like five four time is not detracting and it's not distracting. It sounds natural. He does a really admirable job. He does great guitar work and a great performance. The vocal melody is great throughout. I especially love the buildup uh, of the vocal melody during the verses, you know, where there's this this sweep of the melody up to the chorus. And I just thought it was excellent. Yeah, I, I really, really liked the song. I thought it was very successful. And the kind of hesitation that I had with the changing time signatures in Glennie's submission of this fight, I don't have with this one at all. I think it was done really well. Nice. Uh, why don't you go, Vom, and then I'll finish up. Okay, uh, this is another one that grew on me quite a bit. That hook, look around at this great earth in the chorus, uh, got stuck in my head. That's a really good chorus, I think. I will deduct points again for two guitar solos. I'm an <laughs> equal opportunities editor. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, like Berkeley Social Scene, it's another regular submitter. I can't help, you know, sort of when their songs are not quite as good as I know they can be, I sort of... They, do they drop out of my votes or do they not? And this isn't quite sort of my favourite 
uh, top level Pake song, but it's it's very good. And uh, yeah, the, the Five Force really, I've, I've always got admiration for someone who can write a catchy song in a strange time signature, and he does that brilliantly here. Yeah, yeah it's good stuff. My favorite part was the choir of angelic Paco singing in the backing vocals. His backing vocals are always so nice. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is just solidly in his wheelhouse, and I wouldn't be surprised if I've heard this particular chord progression and somewhat of a melody before. It just sounds very Paco. I'd really like to hear him branch out and try something a bit experimental. Like, you know, maybe not as experimental as Rectum or the Fractal Elves, but just to, just to see what he'd do with it if he was not so constrained by what what he knows really works. Yeah, that makes sense. But then we're, you know, we're judging people against their their body of work rather than, you know, this particular song fight. So I'm not sure how fair that is. But again, for me, I, I like this song. It just wasn't one of my favorites of his. Should we move on? Yeah, let's see. Next up, we've got Pig Farmer Jr., Just wanna disappear. So I'm leaving here today. I've gotta pack my bag. I can't stay here right now. I don't wanna be in another argument with you. I miss the You know, right away he leads off with this acoustic guitar, and I got a new acoustic guitar on Friday. It's like one of these parlor-style blues guitars that were popular in the Depression era, you know, for our Depression-era blues guitarists. And uh, I did a half-ass recording of it, and it doesn't sound anywhere near as good as what Pig Farmer regularly does. And he's got his acoustic guitar recording technique down, and I think it sounds fantastic. And yeah, has actually called him out on how good his guitar sounded on the on the February album writing month forums the, yeah, the other day. Oh yeah, he, yeah. he says it, he says it's just the guitar. <laughs> takes no responsibility for his own sound. It's just right, the guitar. he just just a microphone somewhere in the same room. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it does sound great. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I was really happy with this song. It's like everything works on this. He's got his strong vocals, which he's been really just nailing lately. The production, the arrangement, the lyrics. I think all of this is good. Like, I really quite enjoyed this song. And I think this is one of the better relationship doom songs that were in this fight. I thought lyrically it was better than his, you know, his song last uh, time. Sing of the Times was kind of a lyrical throwaway for him. And this one, I think he spent more effort in, and it paid off. So I think this is a new high watermark for uh, his work. And I think if he keeps it up at this level of polish, it won't be long before he starts racking up wins. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, in the top three this time. This is just really good stuff. I, I'm going to confess to genre bias. And uh, the, my first line of notes was late 80s Bon Jovi rock ballad. <laughs> So and if so if if you like that type of thing then that's a compliment right uh, but if you're not really hot on it then then maybe not so one very kind of specific little issue is I, I was wondering if is it my headphones or is there some weird flaw in the background at the beginning of the song like this kind of repeated fast electronic ticking noise around uh, the 18 second to 28 second mark did anybody else notice that didn't catch that no didn't pick up 
Okay. Uh, maybe it's just my headphones, but it's like, like this weird arcing, ticking, sort of fast, repeated noise or something from, yeah, 18 seconds to 28 seconds. But then it goes away and uh, and it's fine. So I thought, as, as I've mentioned before with a lot of other songs, vocal harmonies and or backing vocals might have improved this song a little bit. Uh, but it, it kind of doesn't matter. It really successfully accomplishes the sound that it's going for. And really, except for that recording flaw, there is nothing bad uh, about this song. Uh, I just have some genre bias uh, preventing me from being really wild about it. But, you know, if if I'm comparing you to a, a good, wildly successful rock ballad band, then uh, then, yeah, the, you, can t- you can take that as a compliment. I'm just not probably going to listen to it a lot. All right, Vaughn, what do you got? Yeah, well, yeah, I think um, Pig Farm has found a sort of sweet spot recently where he's, yeah, he's, he's singing better than I've heard him before. And he's he's writing a lot of songs that are in a kind of similar sort of emotional place. Uh, and it's really working for him. But yeah, I have to admit, it's not entirely the kind of thing I would choose to listen to. So it doesn't always quite link up with me personally. But um, yeah, I think this is a, a really well-written song, uh, the really good chorus. I think the lyrics... I generally really liked, but I did think when it gets to the doom with a view line, it kind of feels like, ah, here's the chorus. That the kind of metaphorical twist it takes there isn't really in keeping with the sort of fairly straightforward way he's setting out the rest of the, the story he's telling. So in that sense, it did kind of feel slightly shoehorned in. Right. But that's a fairly small criticism of what I think is a, it's a very good song. Like this is where I pay lip service to the title. Here I go. Yeah, and with a title like this, I can't really hold that against him. It's it's an awkward turn of phrase. Yeah. Objectively, this is a great song, but I, I just still don't really want to listen to it. There are plenty of great songs I don't want to hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up we've got Third Cat. Spiders in the desert Panic at a concert Slow This one a lot. I have some things to say about it, but does anybody else have anything uh, anything they'd like to get off their chest right away? I think this is Vom's wheelhouse. <laughs> I think so, <laughs> yeah, too. I, think I'm wrong I do that. like yeah. some synthesizers. Um, yeah, I think with a lot of the people we see coming up every week at the moment, you sort of know what you're going to get, and with Third Cat, you always get surprises, which I love. He's always got something different to, to throw in there. And from the start of this one, with the kind of sort of bouncy synth arrangement, I, I really enjoyed it. And I love the way it changes from the kind of, I'm not sure exactly what's going on musically, but there's a real rhythmic change from the verse to the chorus uh, that I really like. It really pops. Like the chorus just leaps out, which is which is funny because there's a contrast of the words which are feeling impending doom, but it's just happy as hell. And so, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of thought that was pretty cool. It may be a little bit of a cheap device to say something sad in a happy voice, but it works for me in this case. 
Yeah, I love the end of the chorus where uh, at least I'm spending it with you. Or yeah. It's got a, a lovely little romantic twist to it. I think there's a, a couple of things I, I criticise about it. The, uh, there's a little guitar break that feels uncharacteristically sloppy for Third Car. I usually have a big admirer of his sort of um, arpeggios and things, but it kind of feels like it needed another take. And uh, when he overlaps the, the vocal right at the end for the, the sort of coda, uh, there's a, a similar kind of thing to the, the Mandibles backing vocals where it just feels like a volume boost with no, it doesn't interlock properly. Yeah, they... well, actually, when I heard, the first time I heard that, I, it was on my headphones and I had to kind of like look around. I thought maybe somebody was behind me or something because it, it, it did sound a little, there, there was something a little out of place about it. I agree. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's a, a good song. I think this is one of my votes. I, I thought it was nice synth pop. Uh, I thought it builds up nicely, and there's a uh, good layering going on. But like the adjectives that I revert to for this song are nice and good, and that's fine. But I'd prefer to to be able to say catchy uh, over nice. It, it's a good song. Uh, not my favorite Third Cat song. Uh, there's nothing really bad about it that I thought. You know, the, you, given that overlap, you know, that didn't bug me too much you know, by the second listen. So it was fine. It was good. I noticed that he uh, played a trick with the arrangement and that he didn't try to squeeze the title hook into the chorus, but he saved it for like a final um, wrap up couple stanzas that had the title hook prominently in it, which I thought was an interesting choice. I also kind of thought that was unnecessary. I, I don't think you need to say the phrase a doom with a view if you have doom and view elsewhere in the song. I think if, if you're waiting for it like that and it's coming in like a, a, a little coda or something, uh, you, you can probably just leave that out. I, I know we've we've said the opposite in previous fights, you know, where you, you really want to hear that. But with a really crappy title like this, I think, you know, <laughs> we, we should give people a little leeway. That's true. Like and sometimes you just don't let the title get the best of you. You know, you just work with it, but you don't let it ruin your song. Yeah. Yeah. And there's definitely been some titles that are song ruiners, and people let them ruin their song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, finally, we come to Vom Vorten. <laughs> oh my god, Vom, you killed it on this one. Uh, the, the the production is just so good on this. It's just shiny. Uh, I love the, like, the chimey guitar strums and the riffs with that just gorgeous reverb on them. Apparently you're amazing at reverb setting. And just <laughs> more great layering. I love the way guitars come in and out at just the right magical timing and precision. Did you use a gated reverb on somewhere on the drums? Because they sound super 80s. Uh, I didn't. Well, the, the drums, I actually used um, a sort of a sample set I hadn't used before. That's actually supposed to be for metal. 
And I thought, oh, a metal <laughs> drum kit with a synth pop song, this will be interesting. And it, it just sounded good, so I stuck with it. Oh, so wow. it probably does have that kind of, uh, yeah, that heavy rock gated reverb built into it, perhaps. Also, just great dynamics, great vocals. Uh, this, this song has everything, like a real tour de force. So I, I feel like you brought your A game to this one. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Ryan, why don't, why don't you be the bad cop now? What did you hate about uh, this song? Uh, utter crap. This this song made me hate all music. And uh, no, I'm kidding. That's uh, no. I I thought I, okay, okay. So the song starts out and it's got that '80s I want to be a cowboy beat, uh, and I'm like, uh oh, you know. But then everything else kicks in and we're in great, great territory. This is just done really well, mixed really well, great choices all the way through. I love the uh, explosions of bass, the snare is a landmine gone off in my face lyric. And, and honestly, I kind of wish that that theme had been c- extended and continued throughout the song because it's such a, you know, a nice little comparison there. Um, but, but I mean, that doesn't matter. I just thought it was a fantastic song. And, and the bridge was done uh, exceptionally well. You know, the, the kind of dynamics of bringing out a bunch of it and just having you know you and the the electronics and it was yeah yeah i just love this song i thought it was the best of the fight and uh not kissing ass just uh, <laughs> not, not just because you're here <laughs> so it's yeah. a happy coincidence this just happened to be a fantastic song well, yeah <laughs> I, have, I have a few critical notes uh, yeah. all right let him have it let him have it why did i make the piano so low in the mix there's a piano listening back to it there there's a a piano, I went for this sort of emotional 80s piano in the sort of the end of the chorus and I was listening back and I could barely hear it and I thought, why did I do that? No idea. I think it, it it's a, a strange mixed decision. And uh, yeah, well, my, I was trying to listen back uh, this morning so I'd have some notes before coming on the show and uh, I was sort of trying to make the same critical notes for my own note song that I would have done for anyone else's. And my other concern was that the, the that bridge middle eight section might actually be the best bit of the song. I'm not really sure that that's the right balance. To, I don't know. But yeah, I was quite happy with it and I'm glad it went down well. Yeah, I, I, I just turned it on in the background, you know, my headphones and uh, I cannot hear that piano anywhere. <laughs> no, I, I might have to do another mix of that because I think it's quite a good. It's one of the bits of the song I like the most. And for some reason, I ended up just turning it down. I, I have no idea what I was thinking. Tell me a little bit about your process. Um, how do you mix and master? Like, how do you get that just like sterling, pretty production? Like, what what did you do? What's the magic on this one? Well, if I go for my process of the start, my first process on this one was to think that is a terrible title. What on earth can I do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and my my general response is to go as high concept as possible. So, which is why you've ended up with this song about a time traveler who goes back and revisits war zones. Right, it's like his history channel. <sighs> yeah, so I thought I might as well go ridiculous because the title's ridiculous. And so that kind of led me into thinking, right, I'll just throw huge synth bass and then I'll throw metal drums on it. And I kind of was planning to do something a bit more experimental, but it just ended up turning into a synth pop song. So I thought I'll embrace that. And I've always loved the, the mix of sort of really electronic bass and synth with some acoustic guitar. I think that's just a really underrated combination. And then I ended up throwing more electric guitar on as well, just because, yeah, it was going well, it needed more. But yeah, I think I just end up squashing everything with various compressors at the end until it sounds about right. And it's, it's kind of a, a lot of relying on presets and things, to be honest. There's not a huge amount of technical know-how in there. Right. Thank God for presets. 
Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> I just audition presets till it sounds less like ass. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, though. Uh, the electric guitar, I thought the reverb on that sounded really good. Do you have a particular preset you like for that? Actually, I used to use the amp simulators all the time, but uh, for the last few, uh, probably since sort of neurone time, I've been actually recording through a little amp that has a sort of emulated speaker output. So I think the guitar's probably got the sort of spring reverb, whether that's a real spring reverb or not, I suspect not. Uh, there's probably, I think, some VST reverb on top of it. So there's probably a kind of mix of double reverb. Uh, I tend to put bits of you know, short sort of low in the mix delay on things as well, just to fill it all out, especially when I've got that kind of sparse picking and synths and yeah, yeah, it's like single it's note arpeggios, right? And then with some yeah. good space between them. Yeah, but I still haven't mastered the art of making an acoustic guitar sound like Pig Farmer Jr. <laughs> We're all a ways <laughs> away from that. <laughs> all right, that's it. So who are we voting for? Uh, let's see. I am voting for Paco and Mandibles. And Von Vorten. And I, I think that's it. Again, like I, like I think we discussed last time, I'm starting to get into the habit of voting for fewer than half of the entries. For me, I've got Pig Farmer, Von Vorten, and Heine, and I think Berkeley Social Scene. Those are my votes. Oh, and Glennie as well. So I'm, I'm going the opposite direction of you. I think I'm voting for more songs rather than less. That, that's all fine. That's good. What about you, Vom? Have you settled? I have, yeah. Uh, it's quite a tricky one, actually, because I think I could have voted for nearly all of these. But yeah, I, I had that same thought that if I do vote for nearly everything, then I'm not really actually voting for the ones that I like the best. Uh, I think um, Fubar, Glennie, Heiner and Third Cat were the, the four I settled on in the end. But yeah, it was a very close. I'm, I think a lot, a lot of these songs were really strong. Right. You got to vote for yourself. If you lose by one vote, you only have yourself uh, to blame, dude. You'd think I'd learn, wouldn't you? But no, <laughs> I, I just can't do it. I gotta, I gotta urge you to do that. I really, really do. I mean, if you, if you think that you did a good song, then you owe it to everybody to vote for yourself. Well, so. I think, uh, I, in retrospect, I wish I had voted last week. I think "Sing of the Times" was my best entry for a while, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not, not gonna, gonna change, change my ways now. now. No, gives me an extra impetus to try and do a really good song. I know I'm not gonna get my vote, uh, <laughs> but. But the stakes, man. The stakes. Yeah, I mean, like all of the the kind of fame and fortune that has come our way since uh, since you know, for our percent, we yeah we don't. There's nothing. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. And occasionally, occasionally people on the boards try and convince folks that well, it matters if you if you win. No, nothing. Nothing at all. So yeah. So uh, yeah, it's fine. In you know, in theory, I guess it doesn't matter whether you vote for yourself or not, and it doesn't matter if you win or not. But if you're standing on any sort of rationale for voting at all, then you should vote for yourself if you thought if you think that you did a good song. Well, I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. All right, that's it. Let's wrap. Vom, do you have any shout-outs? I'll shout out my girlfriend Annie, who's currently downstairs coughing her heart out on the sofa. Uh, and my cats, Rafa and Agnes, who've managed to resist scratching the door down while I'm recording this. Good job, cats. Uh, I'll shout out to my husband, Andre. Thanks for all the love and support. I'm also going to shout out to 
vomvorton.co.uk, V-O-M-V-O-R-T-O-N.co.uk. Great links to a whole bunch of great stuff. And also, you know, he's got a, a bunch of cool videos. One that got 70,000 views is Cat on the Pitch. And <laughs> it's it's charming and and fun and neat. But I, I kind of actually prefer some of your other videos. But uh, but that one's, a, that one's a good one. Go check that, that out. That was the topical one. Yeah, that got the hits. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it was it's it's all good good stuff and should definitely check it out. Cool. I would like to give a shout out to my lovely wife Sarah who is on the couch coughing her lungs out at the moment. There <laughs> seems to be a lot of that going on. And let's see. I'd also like to give a shout out to all the people returning to Songfight. Welcome back Fubar and Heine. It's good to see you guys back and uh, I'm happy that Songfight is healthy. The last fight had 173 votes. And like, you know, at least ten entries. So, good job, song yeah. fight. Keep writing songs, people. Yeah, and we're getting a lot of art submissions. Also, yeah, come to think of it, uh, shout out to Brian and to Alice. Uh, Brian Raider, uh, Jerkatorium wouldn't exist without Brian Raider and Alice. Great artist. Wish he would do more um, cover entries uh, to song fight. She submits his Happy Triangle and just does great stuff. All right, cool. We are out. Thanks for listening, everybody.